0: Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Brewing blood
1: The best beer in the world is the open bottle in your hand. That from Danny Jansen. I'm guessing he's the brewmaster over at Blue Point Brewing and not the uh, Toronto Blue Jays prospect. I don't know. Prospect. It could have been either one. It, I don't know. The world will never know. <laughs> but well, that's what my google food turned up with it was uh, one of the two yeah, yeah it was probably one of the two maybe both of them yeah that's true they maybe might both like beer. Maybe they're twinz and that's true they uh, crafted their beer lovers at the yeah. same time yeah exactly they're, or maybe maybe uh, danny Jansen is both a, the brewmaster at blue point and is the same a guy Toronto yeah. blue Jays prospect right exactly yeah it's like the same like we'll never know that now, welcome to episode uh, 101 of Boobie Bloods. Yeah, we're, we're finally past the big 100. This episode is late, and I apologize, but we had some extreme technical difficulties we, yesterday. We have a lost episode that will never be found. Yeah. The topics discussed in that will be discussed later. Yeah, at a later um, date, at a time of our choosing. I but. feel like
2: we have it rehearsed now, <laughs> like it is a script. We could say the exact same thing for a third time. I know. It'll be our third time trying to record that <laughs> dang thing. But uh, uh, that episode should be out next week. We're podcast masters, though. You'll, it, it'll right. sound flawless. It'll sound like it's the
1: first time. No, we're following script anyways. That's everything. Yeah. Everything exactly. is pretty determined. All these lines, we go through hours of rehearsal every <laughs> exactly. week just to produce this gold. Several edits. We have several uh, Broadway writers that write the show. <laughs> That's uh, why Mark Buxton uh, musicals sometimes. Art, our show is going to be the next uh, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I was about to say Hanson, but maybe... Or that, yeah. I would, I would also we'll go for the being next the next m-bop. Hanson as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. If we exactly. had that success, I would not complain. <laughs> Even if we had to sing Mbop before every uh, single episode. So you had some science you wanted to throw down today.
2: Yeah, well, I figure we're entering the... I don't figure. We are factually entering the summer months. It's already
1: it's already under crotch weather here.
2: A little bit. You know, under crotch season. In fairness, it's been one of the better Mays you could ask for uh, sure. in Texas. It's been, you know, 70s, 80s, somewhere around there. Um, but basically, I wanted to say, I wanted to bring up the topic of keeping your beer cold. Or, if you're like us... You have a large emporium of beer, right. uh, like a Total Wine or a Specs. Not that we're special. Those are nationwide chains. I thought you meant
1: in your house, in your own house. Well, no. That,
2: that's all chilled already. Yeah. Cheat the Vivaldi. I'd like to but, see that um, contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: you've seen it. You have the same you, one. You've got a deck and a refrigerator.
2: <laughs> you have a covered patio that I'm never allowed on, so yours must be more premier. <laughs> but um, in any case, I figured, you know, it's the summer months. People may go and grab some... It'll be some hot beer off the shelf, and they want to know the fastest way yeah. uh, to actually chill that down. And I,
1: I will say that we should warn people the, the proper sciencey way to do it is not like we did when we were 20. And <laughs> right. We, uh, Pouring put, ice poured, into poured, it. Yeah, we poured yeah. Coors Light over ice and drank it through straws. <laughs> right. That is not the, the tip, the hint from Heloise here.
2: Right. No, that is not. Uh, the hint from popular science, um, yeah. which, you know, depends on what circles you run. Uh, whether or not could, you could be fake news, you actually think science is a thing, but yeah. I'm going to go ahead and stick with the fact that it is. On this show, we believe in science. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah we, we, we 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 trend towards yes. science. That's our that's the way we get it. We're
1: more of the DeGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, <laughs> happy people.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, so they say the primary way to do it, if you want to chill something fast, is to load up a container with a bunch of water and toss a ton of salt in there. Not a literal ton, but a
1: bunch. Don't go light on the salt. <laughs> so is it like is it? Rock salt, or is it regular table table salt? salt? Works
2: perfectly fine. Um, So you throw ice water and salt together, and then you actually throw the uh, the beers in there. And basically, what happens is salt water takes cooler than thirty two degrees to freeze. Right. So you can make it a lot colder, a lot icier, and uh,
1: basically cool everything down a lot faster. If I remember from my uh, chemistry lessons, it 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 lowers the uh, freezing point.
2: It's the freezing point depression effect. Yes.
1: Man, you are sciencey.
2: Oh, man, I'm so. Science-y. I didn't even know you were that science. Science
1: man of beer. <laughs> um, they also say,
2: um, basically, you should be able to freeze something, or at least make it room temperature, and room temperature colder
1: than room temperature, yeah, and very drinkable uh, within about five, five, seven minutes. My technique so, has always been, I don't know where I learned this, but you take a wet, you take a paper towel, you wet it down, you wrap it around the bottle, yes, and then you th- stick that in the freezer, and you'll have a cold one in about ten, fifteen minutes.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a nice home method to do, if you want to just wet paper towels and throw yeah. in the freezer. It's a technique um, I learned up in the haulers of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. My regnet way of That's if you're more broke and you have ice delivered to your home <laughs> and that kind of thing. That's the way you do it. Um, <laughs> if you have something called salt at the house, table salt, which is a luxurious item, only found
1: in the high, rich parts of town. Now, since it's craftier, yeah. should we only be using like handcrafted uh, Artisan salt? artisan himalayan salts <laughs> exactly. chunks of himalayan salt yeah uh
2: yeah none of that mort's you know or any of that or mortons or whatever yeah it is. Grass fed, of that. grass-fed right. salt yeah, exactly <laughs> artisan handcrafted
1: exactly <laughs> chipped from the finest of glaciers <laughs> yes i guess that doesn't produce salt that's just ice so the ice has to come from the glaciers <clears throat> yeah well yeah it has yeah. to be yeah it has to be
2: uh handcrafted ice handcrafted <laughs> salt <laughs> yeah homegrown yeah
1: Free range ice. And the ice has to be shaped into those fancy, uh, those, those craft cocktails yeah. where they have the giant, like, one giant cue ball sized ball, ice. Yeah. yeah. It has to be, all of your ice has to be in that. And like, I, like I said, it has to be free range. You can't have ice grown into the yeah. Never mind the fact you gather all these materials. You could have cooled 20,000 bottles of beer by that right. point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's
2: all about the science. Wherever ice naturally occurs, it's yeah. free range, and that's exactly. where you get it. Um, but yeah, they also say, and I, I've seen this method deployed. Uh, if anyone has said Total Wine in their neighborhood uh, or in their hometown. They have a chiller up front that yeah. claims to be about five or seven minutes. And uh, one of the effects that it does is it spins. You put your stuff in there, the rotating, the water's rotating around, your bottle moves around, and they say if you want it faster than five minutes, if you actually spin your bottles around in that salt water, yeah. it'll get colder even faster. So is that salt
1: water in there? In that thing? I don't think it is at theirs. Hmm. Uh, they have some kind of mystical technology in that whole device that they built there. But so, It sounds like, to me, we have a potential technology improvement here that we need to patent very quickly.
2: Yeah, I agree. A saltwater spinner yeah. machine of some sort. And then sort we need to turn and sue you, them for, yeah, for... That dispenses yeah. crafted ice
1: and some salt. We need to patent
2: spinning, spinning water. <laughs> But we could. We'll put a, uh, some kind of mechanical
1: patent on it that yeah. spins clockwise instead of counterclockwise. <laughs> exactly. And it's a bottle form. Then yeah, we own that patent. Is it it's just me or like every time I see that thing, I'm tempted to dip my arm in it just to see how cold it is. Here's I just stuck
2: my hand in there grabbing stuff out. Yeah.
1: And it seems cold enough. Much but less it? putting my whole hand in there for a while. But it's not
2: like your arm's gonna like freeze. I mean, Going to be does, a
1: freeze and crack open your arm. It doesn't
2: go automatically <laughs> frozen solid and then break <laughs> off or anything. But
1: it, it's pretty cold. It's not like Mister Freeze's arm.
2: No, it's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what kind of mystical technology they have. So. Anyway, since they employ if, if just cold can, water, I guess. Right. So if you can afford that, then go for that. But if you're, you know, mid-range to poor like us, yeah, then you go ahead and get yourself some salt water, mix that together, and then start spinning it around with your hand, kind of like uh, that girl in the old uh, Vegas or not Vegas, but the original vacation was uh, making the tea and the or <laughs> the uh, lemonade, where she had her hand yeah. in there and was just spinning it around. You do that with the beer bottles and put it in salt water, and then at that point you'll have nice
1: cold beer to enjoy. Well, here's another sciencey thing involving water. If you want to defrost some meat yeah. safely and not use the microwave because it often over it starts to cook the meat a little bit, sure. Uh, grab a pot of lukewarm water, drop your meat in there. Uh, a lot of times, around 20 minutes or so it'll be defrosted pretty well. Sometimes it takes longer depending on sure. how big of your meat is. Oh yeah. If you have a nice oh, yeah. thick sausage, it might take a little while longer. <laughs> but uh, that's a yeah, nice, we went there of course. That's a nice safe way to thaw your meat uh, quickly. And now you have to use your microwave. That is a life hack yeah. that I have deployed many times. Man, just think about all the science we're dropping on people Yeah, right I, I've done that many times. Maybe we should uh, pivot to be a science don't uh, podcast. Don't put hot water in there. No, no. Put cold, no. cold water in there. No, don't put hot water. That will actually cook to me. Exactly. You want, like, yeah. lukewarm. And yeah, it, it lukewarm, will, to, lukewarm to cool. And it will actually conduct the... The coldness out of the meat. Yep. That's, that's all science terms right ahead, there. Conduct, Conduct the coldness yep. out of the meat. It will
2: draw the... I don't know that the official paper <laughs> written on the on the uh, process would say that, but it's possible. Water is a very good conductor of energy and, and temperature. So, yes. science. Science. So there you go. A yeah. Nice life. Couple of life hacks for you. a bonus life hack provided yeah. by Mark. Right. about cooking meat. You got a bonus tip for me. Um, it is the summer grilling season, so right. you know
1: maybe you need that bonus tip. If you're like us and you have freezers full of meat, <laughs> that's true. Some of which are human, but yeah, that's well, for another time. Yeah. That's for another show.
2: That's for, it, that defrosts <laughs> the same way animal meat. <laughs> that's
1: does. our version of cereal. that we'll, right, exactly. we'll be releasing in about 15 years. <laughs> um, but uh, today we're we're at good friend. If you can't tell by the background, shocker. Music. Uh, our Where are we home. always? And uh, we are going to take on a brewery we've never done before. It's Cascade Brewing. Nice. Uh, nice, Another Portland, Oregon brewery. Yes. And uh, we're going to take on, since it is the summery season, um, all the wild ales and sours and lambics are all coming out to play. They're dancing <laughs> in the fields. <laughs> hey, guys. And dancing among the flowers, saying trullah. <laughs> right. So exactly. uh, we're going to take on one of their wild ales. It's the blueberry wild slash sour ale.
0: Hey guys, Josh here just to let you know, to remind you, to get the word out, to put it in your brain that no matter when you're listening to this podcast Thursday is right around the corner. What's so significant about Thursday? Well, at Thursday at noon, you get to tune in and listen live to Liquid Lunt. Join myself and Catherine Contreras from She's Crafty Podcast as we join forces to bring you Texas's live midday craft beer show. It's the only one like it out there in the entire world. We're live. We take your calls at 713-678-0070. We have on the best guests in the craft beer world from the state of Texas and beyond, and it's just a fun time. You'll hear what you eating what you drinking we'll get the latest in uh, news and craft beer goings-ons promotions of all the latest happenings and you can be a part of the show with us each and every thursday at noon liquidlunchshow.com is where we're located also on our facebook page and our youtube channel streaming live video and audio your choice come join the party kick off the weekend thursday at noon liquidlunchshow.com that's liquid lunch we'll see you there
1: So Cascade Brewing,
2: I have zero experience with Cascade Brewing. <laughs> I have zero experience with them as well. This is the first place I can even recall ever seeing them on tap. Yeah, uh, I never looked for them on the shelf, or I haven't seen them on the shelf that I remember. I know they know. I know they mostly do bombers, but yeah,
1: I think they're. Um, I, I've seen them on the shelves. So I think, I think they're the one that the price point largely prohibits me or motivates me to not pick up their beer. They're kind of like the brewery. Yeah.
2: I mean, they, honestly, the brewery has some good stuff, but their price point makes it very
1: rare to ever go for them. And this beer may be, like, may, you know, blow my, my skirt up. It and might. I hope it does. Yeah. But I just, I just remember, I think You're it's Cascade. You're wearing a mini today, too. Yeah, so. I am. <laughs> Everyone's going to get a thrill if that happens. You can already see my taint. And I'm, <laughs> it's not even blown up. I know. And I'm five feet tall, keep, keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that short. But your taint is four feet tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I suffer from taintus giganticus. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very rare medical condition. <laughs> and
2: very disturbing to see. <laughs> I've seen it many times. It's very hairy. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> it has its own little
1: afro. <laughs> For the summer seasons, I'm pulling it back into the dreadlock. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Corn Rose. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think they're one of the ones I just never pick them up because the price point just not having any experience with the beer, not knowing what to pick up. Because uh, I don't, when I'm in, you know, when I'm in Totem wine, I generally don't whip out the. Uh, Untapped and start looking through styles. Total Wine. Total Wine. (laughs) Hey, that was was very Abilene
2: of you there. (laughs) Shut up, the guy who says woman still. (laughs) I know. But, you know, they're also in a style that I don't go for that much. Because almost everything Cascade does is some kind of fruit beer, some kind of wild ale, something like that. Again, we talked about today, we're doing their blueberry uh, sour wild ale. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all of their top-rated beers, um, they're all... They're all some some kind of version of that, uh, something peach or something apricot, or, um, you know, they have something called uh, the vine, uh, they have something called sang royal, uh, the blueberry we talked about, the apricot ale, um, so, you know, it's all, every one of these is some kind of sour red, sour wild, something, yeah. um, and is that something you go for much?
1: It's really not well, something I go for much. we discussed this before, but I haven't really been a wild ale, sour, fruity fan, like, I'll drink a fruit beer on you once in a while. Maybe a nice Lambic. Directly um, on me, too. It's weird. <laughs> directly on you. Yeah. Uh, like cider. If I go for a fruity, I'll typically go for a cider. Something like that. Yeah. I but mean, I, if I'm in a cider mood, I tend to go
2: for cider. I just don't really think about fruit beer. I don't beer. even seek out Lambics that much.
1: Yeah, I don't And either. Berliner Weisses are, like, they're definitely making their presence known more this year. I feel like they've been kind of low, laying low in the grasses the last yeah. couple of years, and they're starting to really make their presence known. True, yeah. Yeah. Um, this year, because we've had tall grass that released here locally, the raspberry jam, right? Uh, North Coast released their tart cherry Berliner Weiss. Um, I think that's a. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a uh, Berliner Weiss, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I think. But, I think you're correct. But typically, those styles are not ones I've gone for in the past. Sours, especially, and Wild wilds, right. I've not really enjoyed the flavors. Now, what I have noticed, just like with IPAs, the more I try them, the more an affection, or at least. Interest in that style is growing for
2: me. Yeah, like... I know that you're not you're not a fan of the sours. That's been yeah. Enjoy- well, you know, yeah. historically you haven't been. That's yeah. been a uh, difference I, in us. I've always enjoyed them ever since I've uh, ever since I've had them. I've liked them.
1: Typically, it's like the old Keystone commercials with the bitter beer face.
2: Yeah, that's what I would get every time I drink a sour. Sure, and I've always loved sours, um, and I love what they're doing with sours. I, I like gozes too. Yeah, uh, now that they're coming yeah, out, yeah, gozes I've enjoyed. But they're nice little salty element. You know, I was gonna say
1: that. if you if you're ever in Dallas, pick up Martin House's Salty Lady. Right. Yeah, that's a really good for a different beer. It's salty. Very different uh, flavor palette than you were. I expect. saw they are coming out with an Imperial Salty Lady as really? well. It's, Interesting. Uh, I think it's going
2: to be 9 or 10% somewhere in that ballpark.
1: I didn't know Goza's could be
2: officially go Imperial yeah, like that. I don't know. They're, they're doing it. I thought, I thought they were all,
1: always low ABV. Whether
2: it's an official thing or not, that's that's what they're doing. Well, maybe they're inventing it. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about that. We're just here to talk about sours in general. And uh, this particular sour ale, I guess you would call it. It's a sour slash wild ale. Um, now, a lot of sours... I guess they, I guess they have maybe kind of a fruity tinge to them. Maybe yeah. not necessarily though. Uh, you know, you have whatever wild elements in the room yeah. at the time, um, or you know, a more controlled environment, kind of like uh, Wynn was talking about last week. Um, but I think that's, I think that's less common. I think usually with sours, people try to try to pick up the wild ass elements that are going on in yeah. in nature. Um, I know Jester King's big on doing that, and there's some, there's some other bigger breweries. Yeah, they that want are to use the nature
1: that. that's around them, and I yeah. think I think it probably depends where you're brewing also. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, sure. Uh, Jester King can be out in a farmhouse. I'm assuming they have. Have you been to Jester King? No, I have never had a
2: chance. Yeah, it's a but it's way out there in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, yeah. So they got plenty of stuff. I mean, it's big pastures Which, all around them.
1: I think for that, um, that behooves them, especially being on the Wild Ale end of things, because yeah. they have all that nature around them. Yeah, it can bring in probably some better notes to their beer for the fermentation process. Yeah, Whereas if, so too, if yeah. you're Lakewood in the middle of, you know, the Garland industrial <laughs> district, it's probably a little tough when you just have 18 wheelers. Those are
2: probably elements you don't want
1: to bring exactly. into the beer. Exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> so it's probably a little more, a little more tough. No, that makes complete sense.
2: Uh, so the Cascade, uh, blueberry sour eel, this one's going to be coming in at uh, 7.33% ABV, uh, no IBU shocker. I mean, I wouldn't expect an IBU on this kind of thing. Right? Right. Um, the description is a Northwest-style sour ale blends wheat and blonde ales that were oaked-aged in barrels for six months, and additionally aged for four months on fresh blueberries. It says on fresh blueberries, which seems weird. Did they just set the barrels on top of blueberries? <laughs> or? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, huge herbal notes and dense blueberries in the nose uh, Yeah, in the nose, give way to hints of oak and dusty floral note. It's written kind of weird here. Yeah. Uh, but this is the official description. Rich, earthy notes of dark fruit on the palate lead to a tart finish that dries out uh yeah okay, it dries out to the base note of blueberry skins, so that's kind of interesting. Which to me. is my
1: favorite part of the blueberries—the yeah. skin, not, not the juicy inside part. It's the skin. Not every time, t- every time I get a blueberry, I peel off <laughs> just the skin only, and I serve that as as my dessert in my meal. It's my last bit of delicacy. I apologize for my third grade reading level there, but my screen cut out in the
2: middle uh-huh. of the talking. Uh, that's all right. But, um, in any case, yeah, that's kind of interesting to have blueberry skins. Mm, yeah, that's a very it's a
1: very weird notes, but I'm guessing that means it's going to be a little bit of a Dryer, dustier, maybe a little rough on the tongue. I, well, you know what I'm saying. A different
2: yeah.
1: uh, well, texture. I don't it.
2: know what you're saying, but I'm going to agree. Because mm. you're my partner in
1: the podcast, I'm agreeing with you to you support en- you. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Not in the context that okay. you're using them. But I it's yeah. trying to quote a great man. <clears throat> Fair enough. So, expectations for Cascade or this beer? Uh, expectations. Uh, I feel like it's going to
2: be on the drier end of sweet, based on the description. It's yeah. not going to be overly sweet. like. I don't think it's going to be like sticking a handful of blueberries in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, I expect the sour notes to kind of counter out some of that super sweet blueberry taste. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, the fact that they say it it finishes out to the blueberry skin, that really makes me think that it's going to be really light
1: on blueberry. It's going to be more sour with a hint of blueberry. Yeah. I'm not. I'm definitely not expecting like a a glass of blueberry jam or something. No, no. That, I think, would definitely probably fit more in the lambic style. So... Yeah, like if we got in tall grass, raspberry jam, which we yeah. we discussed, I would expect that to be super sweet. Yeah, but this no, not not as much. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing the being the wild out concept is probably gonna mute some of those sweeter flavors quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And especially being a slash sour, yeah, um, probably not gonna play to the my more favorable part of the palate. But like I said, sour is growing on me, so yeah. I'm slowly finding more. Like I right now, you don't like briny, you don't like sour, normally. Yeah. I don't know that I'll ever get past the brine. I, I, I love, I love all those tastes. Yeah, I, I feel I, like they're kind of in the same class. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, I, it's I'll, it, I'll I think leave sweet it with the and fruities on one side, yeah. sour and briny's on the other. I mean, side. I'm starting to enjoy more sours now. Yeah, I still don't. They're not not usually my go-to, but like right now, right before we're going to take on this uh, next beer, I'm drinking a North Coast Tart Cherry. It's true. Now I will say for this one, tiny review here. <laughs> it's actually sweeter than I expected it to be. It's it's, a, it's, tart not, cherry, yeah. Yeah, it's not as tart as I would have expected. Yeah. And it's got actually a hint of cinnamon to it that kind of sweetens up a little bit, which I, I don't know yeah. if I like it or not. But anyways. That, that is quite a mini-review there. That's another show. <laughs> We're going to cut that out yeah. as a shorty. All right. So after this, we'll talk about the Cascade Brewing Blueberry Sour Slash Wild Ale.
2: Cascade Brewing was founded by owner Art Laurence and brewmaster Ron Gengsberg in 1998. Together, the duo has over 40 years of experience in the brewing game. Growing tired of what they called the, quote, hop arms race that was so prevalent and continues to be in the Northwest region of the United States, the pair decided to focus on beers that provide a sensory experience that reached beyond what a strong IPA or other heavily hopped beer would provide. The abundance of wine barrels located nearby in Oregon's wine country combined with ready access to local fruits, led them to base all of their beers on a sour style. They began their sour journey in 2005. By 2006, they were producing the base beer that would then be aged for up to a year in wine, port, and whiskey oak barrels. In 2014, the production side of the barrel house had become too much for the original brewing location. Cascade leased a 23,000-square-foot warehouse in southwest Portland to headquarter all of its blending, aging, packaging, and distribution needs. While some elements of the process have moved, all brewing continues at the original
1: brewery location. the BJCP for a wild specialty beer it is a sour and or funky version of a fruit herb or spice beer or a wild aged beer in wood if wood aged the wood should not be the primary or dominant character the aroma, wood sh- aged. Is, yeah. the aroma should be variable by base style or old friend should show the fruit sour and or funk of wild fermentation as well as the characteristics of the special ingredients used uh, the best examples will blend the aromatics from the fermentation with the special ingredients creating an aroma that may be difficult to attribute precisely or attribute or attribute. Uh, or attribute. Uh, commercial examples: the Cascade Bourbonic Plague, Bourbonic Plague, the uh, Jester King H.O. Rubicite, which I don't know that we get here. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. New Glarus Belgian Red and the Russian River Supplication.
2: Russian River, another brewery we need to do at some point. Yeah, well, yep, we they we have did, a uh, lot of uh, pillars in
1: the community. We did plenty way back. Yeah, true. Yeah, good point. Uh, we don't have access to Russian River here. Yeah, so that's, that's true. It's tough. It's a tough thing. Yeah, true. Fair enough. So, the oh, we should mention right right off. We asked our server because they came in these tiny little pores, as you'll see by the uh, cover art in this episode. Our server uh, slash, uh, you know. Marks his help. Yeah, exactly. That he deploys everywhere he they goes. They give us these tiny little 5-ounce pours, and we asked why, because it, it's not a high ABV. It's 7.7, I think. Yeah, 7.3. And normally, like I just had the uh, Schmaltz Genesis 2020, which is 16.7. Now, that I understand, serving that, tiny pours. That, or when we came here for the
2: uh, Franconia Isbach, which what was, was what,
1: over 20? Yeah.
0: So, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. But you don't know want people getting sloshed. He confirmed it was because of the price per keg. was right. really, really expensive, and so uh, they have to offset that with tiny pours for the same price.
2: Again, Cascade coming out of Portland, but you know, yeah. we have a lot of we have a lot of Oregon area breweries, you know, like yeah. the Chutes and otherwise that Rogue. You know, they're perfectly yeah. Rogue's not even Portland based, but yeah. Are oh, they not? I thought they were they're Oregon, but they're yeah. But um or Ninkassi even, you know. I mean they're Eugene, yeah. Oregon, whatever. Oregon based breweries that come right. down here. And for seven to ten bucks you can get a bomber, you know. Yeah. Which is not that out of whack with even local breweries, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what's a what's a bottle of a specialty liquid temptress? That's that's around ten bucks a lot yeah. of times, right? So you know it's, but yeah, Cascade and like I mentioned before, the brewery, um, those tend to run like fifteen, twenty, twenty-five again, cost prohibitive.
1: Sometimes thirty dollars for a bomber, and which like, is why Ooh. You don't see them moving at Total Wine, like yeah. Uh, a lot of the breweries, you'll see their slots are empty of a certain beer. Yeah. I've never seen that with Cascade. I thought maybe I was dreaming. That well, but Cascade I Cascade right. or the brewery? Or, yeah. The brewery is also
2: well stocked generally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they make bad stuff. It's just the fact you, that price point.
1: At some yeah. point, you're like, "Wow, is that really worth I it?" I mean, maybe if it was that one um, brewery beer, the Tuesday morning, the not C- see next stormy Tuesday, Tuesday? Is Black it? Tuesday. I thought, the, I thought it was Black stormy Tuesday. or something. Is it whatever? Okay. See next Tuesday. Whatever. I don't it's don't know. Called. I didn't research
2: the brewery today, so I can't remember.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, those two, they're so cost prohibitive. I, I don't know why. Like, right. Why is their price point so high? I don't know. Maybe maybe we're about to have our minds blown here. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's we're possible. about to go on some sort of beer LSD trip. I hope so. Because again, we're not fruit fans. Uh, yeah, we are fruit enemies. Well, we like to smash fruit for our yeah, own benefit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That doesn't mean we hate fruit. And we hate fruit living. Uh, we you know we, we said, like to kill it and yeah. put it into stuff. Yeah. Well, in, in this case, we don't know. They said the the keg sat on blueberries, not necessarily that the blueberries <laughs> were in the fermentation. That's so a good point. We don't know how they the, the barrels could have smashed the blueberries. In which case, uh, we applaud them for exacting vengeance upon the fruit. But that is true. We'll see what happens. So we start off what with appearance here. Yeah, appearance um, generally showing a color tint or
2: hue from any fruit if used in both the beer and the, and the head. Clarity can be variable. Some haze is not a fault. Head retention is often poor. Now, so let's go ahead and uh, note clarity can be variable and is not a fault sure. for next week's episode when we review Beerland. Right.
1: And I, I will note, yeah, I mean, McGill, her primary. If it's not clear, it's, it's not negative clear it should, to her. Yeah, but, if it's yeah. not clear, it's crap beer. Um, yeah, this beer is very clear. It is now no here, head but that's fine. Here's the weird thing. This is a blueberry beer. Yep. Generally have a purplish to blue hue. This one's pretty red. This is like Kool-Aid red. <laughs> Kool-Aid red, man. Now, in fairness, you're a little colorblind, but I am too, yeah. and I see Kool-Aid red as well. But uh, I'm holding up the sunlight. I can see, like, uh. if it's a bright enough red, I can tell when it's red. Yeah. That This is like Ninja Turtle, uh, Raphael, <laughs> mask red. I'm just saying, together, our eyes
2: are oh, wow. fractionally uh, uh, <laughs> able to actually tell exactly. color. That's true. So that we doesn't help We can always see certain but. parts of the spectrum, but... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But, but yeah, it this looks is a fair to me beer. too.
1: This looks like a cool, like the Kool Aid Man might smash through the through the brew house walls at any moment, right? But uh, not a, not exactly what I would expect at all. That is not definitely not showing off the blueberry component. No, it's not. I would totally expect a blue. I wonder. What, I honestly wonder, uh, is it the malt that's giving it this color? Like, Yeah, it, it definitely could be, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, it's interesting.
2: Now, so, the other thing is, for the BGCP, normally we get aroma as well. They yeah. did not have that for this flavor.
1: Well, they said variable base style, and it yeah, may true, be hard yeah. to attribute or attributes precisely well, okay, I'm what sorry, that aroma yeah. comes to.
2: I forgot to bold that, that point, but yes, you're right. Should show some fruit uh, or sour and uh, funk of a wild fermentation.
1: <laughs> fermentation. Yeah, you can definitely, if you take a real close whiff of that, it doesn't have a real strong aroma. It, it smells like a wild ale for sure. It does, so, exactly. With a little bit of sweetness. Now I just got a, a snootful of my nostril, so I can Injection smell everything. In. I, I I have very powerful nostrils. <laughs> I have world class nostrils. So you sucked it in like I, the uh, like the space ball. I took uh, a yeah a nasal a nasal snoot of it. it <laughs> from suck to
2: blow or uh, and, blow to suck. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, it's definitely see, there's no hint of blueberry there at all. No, it's, it's definitely it's, all wild ale.
2: Yeah, it's very wild ale. And sour.
0: Yes. Sours
1: smell a lot like that normally. You can definitely you can smell the wild. This is, this is a wild beer. Yep, and it's just like if you smell Mark. Exactly, <laughs> it smells wild like someone in the wild. So the, fa- the flavor of mouthfeel. Mouthfeel should be variable by, by base style, generally a light body, no surprise, lighter than what might be expected, uh, generally moderate to high carbonation, and the carbonation should, should balance the base style if one is declared. So it's again, variable by style here. Right. And finally, my, uh, also flavor, also variable by base style, should show the fruit, sour, and or funk of wild fermentation, as well as the characteristics of a special ingredient. So. so we know what the special ingredient is. blueberry Even though it looks like a, like a raspberry or a strawberry yeah, True, color. it does. Or yeah. a cherry color. Maybe we'll find it they actually only us... No, because I'm looking at my North Coast here. The North Coast is it definitely is like a that. bright orange red, so it's not. It's definitely a different beer. Yep, true. Yeah. So hopefully they poured us the correct beer. God, I would hope so. Yeah. It's only in five-ounce <laughs> pours. Probably cost us $23 per pour. <laughs>
2: I get a lot of sour in that. A lot of sour. A lot of well, though. Um... When they say blueberry skin, I think I get I think I get what they mean once I taste this because this is not the meaty juicy part of a
1: blueberry. Yeah. It's a fractional outside portion of a blueberry. Yeah, it's the it's the part of the blueberry that's been covered by mites and you know, gets hacked at by bees and Now, there there's an element of blueberry there, but
2: if you didn't tell me, if you just poured this and said drink this, be like
1: Okay. That's definitely a sour wild ale. I, it's not bad, but I'll tell you where I noticed the blueberry is when you when it first hits your tongue like right away, like it's right there on the tip of your tongue and then it quickly it disappears. Yeah. It's a ghost in the wind. Very quickly. Very quickly. Like within a microsecond it's gone. Yeah, and like I said, if if we didn't point out, if you didn't point out that blueberry was in there, yeah. I'm not really sure I would I would have picked it up. You have to be looking for it. Maybe with careful study, and it's it's definitely sour. Yeah, careful study once you know it's there. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't know it's there once you're informed. Yes. Yeah. But and you know, I, I don't know that that's a good thing. I don't necessarily know that I'm picking up the dustiness. I guess I get where they get blueberry skin, but for a blue for something that is declared to be blueberry, yeah. to name it blueberry, I would firmly expect it to have a, if not pure juice of a blueberry, which I don't necessarily want. Yeah at least a heavier presence of blueberry more than just a just a fart on your tongue.
2: Drinking this makes me think it literally did sit on blueberries. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they kept everything inside of the actual uh, abs- barrels yeah. and
1: they were just sitting in there. It just absorbed it from the... Yeah. yeah.
2: Like if some of it kind of barely leaked in from the bottom of
1: the barrel then it's there but it is not prominent. And I wonder if being aged in those oak, those oak barrels I wonder if that I mean did, did they go into the barrels first? Okay. Yeah, I did. So into we the barrels first for six months, and then aged on age on blueberries for four months. For four months. So yeah. I was thinking maybe. Well, maybe if they were sat in the barrels for a while, maybe the bourbon barrel age or the the barrel aging removed. Yeah. Some of that blueberry flavor, but it's the reverse. So it should be more present right. than it is. Exactly. Yeah. Makes me think maybe they didn't use enough blueberries in the batch. Yeah. Uh, maybe they didn't match them up, and they should have in the fermentation. Yeah. Maybe they just threw them in, and they never uh, broke like, open. Yeah. Like I'm guessing <laughs> like. Uh, if they didn't cut them open or mash them, maybe that's why it's not as heavy as it should be. It's possible, but I think if you're going to call yourself blueberry, you have to have a stronger presence of that key ingredient. Yeah, it's not. I don't. It's not a bad beer. No. It's an. It's actually a very interesting flavor palette. I just think it fails in the naming respect and this is one of their top rated beers yeah it's, it's in the a, top five don't get me wrong it's a good beer no it's, i'm just saying that specifically for yeah. being blueberry it's in the top five i don't know man i think like the sea dog uh blueberry i forgot what it's called it's made by sea dog it's like more of a breakfast beer it tastes like blueberry pancakes i mean definitely that is more on the fruity end of things sure to understand they're not going for but I mean, that's a beer that you call blueberry, and it tastes like that which it's trying to represent.
2: And I wish I remembered the name of it, but when I was in Boston a couple years ago, they had some blueberry beers from uh, Vermont. Vermont, Yeah. And, um, man, those were tasty. They weren't overly sweet. They Mm -hmm. had some sweet, but overall, it was just a really good, balanced beer. And that's kind of what I was hoping for with this. Like, some blueberry element with some sour element underneath and just kind of, you know, kind of a balance. But... It's not. Like, the sour just kills it. It it dominates.
1: (sighs) Very disappointing. So, yeah. ratings? Go ahead, Mark. Um, I'm going to call this not Fats Domino, because this is not... I didn't find my thrill on a Blueberry Hill. We're not on Blueberry Hill here. Yeah, I'm not on Blueberry Hill here.
2: Maybe we're sitting on the blueberries on Blueberry Hill and hoping it would absorb into our butts. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. We did not eat the blueberries, though. Yeah. It's just, I, as I said, the major failing in here is calling yourself blueberry. A having the appearance of of red Kool Aid. Yeah, it almost looks like a raspberry beer. Yeah, it, exactly. It looks like a raspberry beer, or a cherry beer, and not looking like a blueberry beer. It should have some hue of blue in here. I would it doesn't think, have yeah. that, so I don't know. what... Not a brewmaster here. I'm guessing it's the malt that contributed to that. Uh, You're not a brewmaster? Uh, Surprised that you not. weren't. No, okay. I'm far from a brewmaster. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of a brewmaster. Yeah. Um, I don't know what malt's wine in this. Probably something that goes into a red ale. Probably similar, given it that color. But I feel like you should... It's a minor complaint to say it should be blue, but I feel like it should either be neutral, but not strong red. Right. Not like... I don't know. Not, yeah. not Kool-Aid red. Yeah, I get it. But even further, a bigger problem... It's calling yourself blueberry and then having almost no blueberry flavor in that. Yeah, true. And I feel like, reading the description now, tasting this, I feel like blueberry skin, as a descriptor, was a PR reach of the highest order. <laughs> They're like, how can we... It like, won't
2: taste like pure blueberries yeah. when you
1: eat them, so yeah. let's
2: say it's like licking the outside of one. Yeah.
1: It, there, there's an angel's fart of blueberry up front, but it is gone. It's like the Flash. You know, it is gone in a second. Well, like less than a second, even. Yeah, it hits the, the tip of your tongue and then it disappears. After that, it becomes like a standard Wild Ale, um, little dusty, fruity, little little tart to it. I think yep. it's I think it's a good beer. Yeah, it I is. I think the major yeah. failing here is the naming. And uh, uh, I think it's definitely failing. I think they should have just come up with some random. <laughs> uh, I don't know some random just some random name. Don't call it blueberry. Call it sour eel. and you could even say, like, "Oh yeah, we put, we sat it, its butt on blueberries." <laughs> just don't name it blueberry, because highly disappointing just from that factor alone. So, high dis- good beer, high disappointment factor, miss- definitely a misnomer of a beer, um, because of that major, major failing. I'm gonna drop the hammer on this beer. I'm gonna give it three out of five. Wow. It's not really dropping the hammer too bad. but Well, but considering it's a good beer, yeah, true. if it hadn't been for the name, the appearance, right. uh, and you're touting that heavy presence of blueberries, then right. it probably would have gotten a 4 out of 5.
2: Yeah, you know, I think my main complaint about this is the fact that maybe the base beer was not the one they should have chosen. I think they should have chosen a basic ale of some sort that was a little more nondescript, had no flavor no. profile. Um, sour is fine But I think the fact that they used a blonde uh, Blonde slash wheat as the base mm. Those have their own flavor profiles That are also trying to counter out The yeah. uh, the blueberry taste So um, you know I, I think maybe if you had a plain ale And you put the blueberries in there a little longer Maybe put the blueberries in there for I don't know all ten months Yeah, Longer, sm- mash them up, something yeah. um, You know the sour The sour element's there and it's good But um, and it's probably not a bad base beer, just for this experiment. Maybe it's not the best uh, base beer. So, yeah. for me, I'm also pretty disappointed. Um, I'm kind of comparing it to other sour ales I've had in general. Is it as good as those? Yeah, I mean it's pretty good. It, it's it's whatever process they put together. It's it's a nice wild sour ale. Yeah. Um, like you, it's not a blueberry sour ale. It's just a I'm going to judge it as a sour eel, and yep. I will say that's good. Um, but like you, I'm going to knock them down a little bit for calling it a blueberry. If they just called it a sour ale, they'd have a higher rating. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for this, I'm going to have to put it at probably a – well, not probably. It's the definitive rating. Yeah. I'm going to say 2.75 out of 5.
1: Ooh, you dropped the hammer now. Yeah.
2: It agitates me. I it agitates me it's not blueberry. You know
1: what? I, I think – and I was thinking about this as you were talking. Like, I think they deserve another quarter-point loss. Uh, from my rating, for price point, the fact that we that only could get five a five ounce pour out of this yeah, true. for a seven percent ABV beer because the price of the kegs is too high. Yeah, right. That they feel like they need to offset that cost by doubling up the amount of the number of pours. Yeah, true. Yeah, i mean, yeah. in business, I get it. But as we've seen the beers oh, yeah, on the shelves. Not, that's not a good friend slam. That's a yeah. price. point No, no, lamb. it's a price. It's yeah, it's yeah. a distribution. It's a price point issue. Um, this is definitely. For the price point, we don't know exactly how much does to cost for five ounces, but it's going to be somewhere around eight bucks, I would guess. Minimum, yeah. Uh, eight to ten, I would, I would have to guess. Uh, that's too expensive. Yeah. And again, not a bad beer. I actually enjoy the beer just fine. Um, but so there's some significant flaws with this beer. <laughs> right. The nomenclature, the price point, and looking like a Kool-Aid man does I not agree. a blueberry beer make. I agree. Well, thanks for listening to episode 101 of Brew Bloods. Thanks for your support. We appreciate it. What did if, they give us a total score of? Oh, a 2.75 out of 5. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks to everybody who listens to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy us on the show, you might enjoy our other show that we do every so often called The Breakroom, Breakroom.tv. Check us out on all the social networks. Uh, tell them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all those, pretty much any social network. uh, We're BrewBlood's on there, so just go find us. Snapchat. Yep. Peach. If you have any feedback in the show, you can email us at brewbloodshow at gmail.com. You can call us at 469-573-BEER, 469-573-2337. And don't forget, we have our weekly email newsletter that Dustin refuses to contribute to. True. That comes out uh, most Fridays. And we will never sell your email address. It's just a wrap-up of the week's beer news. Anything we find interesting. Like we've said, we sell each other's emails, but not yours. Yes, we're constantly selling each other's, <laughs> but we will never sell your email. Right. Address. All right, we'll catch you guys next week for episode 102. Hopefully a success. A su- hopefully, a successful <laughs> third recording <laughs> of, the of same this episode. Topic. Of what should have been episode 101. <laughs>
2: right.
1: So we'll catch you guys next week for episode 102. For Dustin and Mark. For Mark, I'm Dustin Probst. Probst. A big hairy Jeff Probst. <laughs> and a hairy taint. Ha <laughs>